Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with the respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandma'sCatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Inujia Dean. Today is Wednesday, June 29th. Coming up, we'll take you to the first hours after Monday's Amtrak derailment in Menden, Missouri. Plus, when the pandemic disrupted food supply chains, many schools scrambled to find healthy food to send home with students. One Kansas City district turned to area farmers. We know the farmers here, we know what the weather is, and they're local. Their heart and soul is in this. This is their livelihood. But for some school districts, bringing in more local produce isn't so easy. But first, some headlines. The Kansas City Council will vote this week whether to provide financial assistance to city employees who seek an abortion outside Missouri. KCUR's Salisa Kalakal has more. With nearly all abortions now illegal in Missouri, Kansas Cityans seeking an abortion would have to travel out of state for the procedure. The nearest clinic that provides abortions is in Overland Park. A resolution that will go before the city council on Thursday would provide city employees with a stipend should they travel out of the state for an abortion. Mayor Quinton Lucas's office says they're still working out the details. In a tweet, Lucas said the city would do all it can to ensure its employees and residents have access to vital health care services. The city of St. Louis is currently hearing a similar bill that would create a $1 million fund to help people cover the cost of accessing an abortion. The railroad crossing where an Amtrak train hit a dump truck and derailed did not have any warning lights or stop arms. KCUR's Savannah Hawley reports. Half of all at-grade public railroad crossings in Missouri have no active warning devices. The public crossing in Menden, where the derailment happened, was on a gravel road level with the railroad tracks that did not have any lights or gates. According to the Missouri Department of Transportation's State Freight and Rail Plan, the crossing was identified in February of this year for improvements. The upgrades could include adding lights, a stop arm, and conducting roadway changes. MoDOT is working with the county and BNSF Railway to finalize a solution and schedule upgrades using federal reimbursement. A federal jury found Missouri Representative Patricia Durgis guilty of multiple counts of health care fraud yesterday. KCUR's Dan Margulies has more. Following a 10-day trial, the jury convicted Durgis, a Nixa Republican, of all 22 counts with which she was charged, including defrauding Greene County of hundreds of thousands of dollars of CARES Act funds and marketing bogus stem cell treatments, in some cases to treat COVID-19. Missouri law requires her to forfeit her office once she is sentenced. Durgis, an assistant physician, was elected in November 2020 to represent Christian County. She operates Ozark Valley Medical Clinic in three locations in Missouri. In Missouri, assistant physicians can only practice under collaborative arrangements with licensed physicians. We now know four people died and 150 were injured following Monday's train derailment. KCUR's Frank Morris was on the scene that evening. Here's what he found. Early yesterday afternoon, Blaine Besmer from Atlanta was speeding through the green, rolling countryside of northern Missouri. Suddenly, he says, the brakes screeched. When he hit those brakes, we all kind of lunged forward. And then there was a loud, loud bang. Like a bomb, says Besmer. Hard to describe. Well, now that I know what happened, it was like a giant piece of steel hitting a giant piece of stone. 
The train struck a big dump truck loaded with rock. It tore the truck apart. The driver was killed. But the train rolled on about 100 yards more before all the cars slowly toppled over. And then uh, people were falling and people falling everywhere. And then, of course, we came to a stop pretty quickly. And then silence. Silence. Until everybody realized what just happened. Uh, and here we are. We have baby wipes and ibuprofen and aspirin and stuff over here. Besmer's sitting in a high school gym in tiny Menden, Missouri, where first responders brought most of the 275 passengers after the wreck. Sitting a few bleachers down with her suitcase, Fernie Williams, a nurse from Springfield, Ohio, tears up remembering the camaraderie inside the train. People just pitched in and helped everybody. Everybody was helping everybody, even children were helping. It was really a, such a tragic, it, people were amazing. Some didn't make it. Ambulances and helicopters took dozens, including William's brother, to area hospitals. In a remote place like this, many first responders are volunteers. And William says the giving here has been almost overwhelming. I mean, just everything. We'll get your luggage, we'll do this, you know. I, they've, they've just, I don't know anything that they haven't done. They've been absolutely wonderful. They really have. The fatal intersection here is marked only by a simple railroad crossing sign, one without lights or bells or arms that swing down to block traffic. Chicago attorney Christopher Riddle says such so-called unguarded crossings are inherently dangerous, especially to passenger trains. Here we're talking about a train that was carrying over 200 people. And when there's a mistake that occurs, when somebody makes a poor judgment, somebody isn't paying attention, when there's human error, which there always will be, the stakes are way too high. Just last weekend, another Amtrak train hit a car in the same type of unguarded crossing. This one in Northern California, killing three people in the sedan and critically injuring two others. No one in the train was hurt. The National Transportation Safety Board is reviewing both accidents. For NPR News, I'm Frank Morris. More Kansas City area students will be getting fresh local fruits and vegetables for lunch this fall. A local growers cooperative is seeing an uptick in purchases from schools after districts faced supply chain disruptions during the pandemic. But KCUR's Jody Fortino tells us not everyone can afford to buy locally grown produce. Tomatoes and lettuce lined the fields at Mike Pearl's farm on a windy day in Parkville, Missouri. And he says there's a lot more coming. You know, the watermelon, cantaloupe later this season, you know, tomatoes, uh, cucumbers, you know, the radishes. Pearl says despite the wind, these crops are off to a good start this year. And they're for some very special customers, local students. Which Pearl says is honestly pretty cool. He says he never grew up eating food like quinoa for lunch. I can't imagine uh, in my school cafeteria, you know, eating cajon, you know, the cajone or, uh, I don't know, uh, kale greens. This is Pearl's first year working with the KC Food Hub to provide produce to local students. And it's going to be a busy one. This fall, the Food Hub will be serving 38 schools across two local school districts. Katie Nixon, the Food Hub's president, says that's a jump from the six schools they started with last fall. She credits that increase in part to the pandemic, 
when suppliers suddenly couldn't get schools the food they needed. So that's like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And, and then they start thinking outside the box. The Lee Summit School District started talking to the Food Hub in 2019. But when the pandemic hit and schools began serving kids at home, they had to adjust their plans. Lori Danella, the district's nutrition director, said when there was a shortage of food to send home, like baby carrots and sliced apples, she knew she could turn to the Food Hub for help. We know the farmers here. We know what the weather is, and they're local. Their heart and soul is in this. This is their livelihood. They're going to make sure their crops are okay and everything gets done. This fall, Lee Summit will serve 26 of its schools with produce from local farmers. But not every district can do that. Budgets are tight, especially with federal pandemic relief waivers for free meals set to expire at the end of June. And produce from local farms can be more expensive. Danella says the fresh produce works into their budget because there's less waste and it has a better shelf life. The lettuce is just phenomenal. I mean, it is beautiful and it lasts forever. Whereas when you get prepackaged lettuce, a lot of times you might get two or three days out of it. The DeSoto School District will also be buying produce from the Casey Food Hub this fall, but only on Fridays, in part because of the expense. JoLynn Baldner, the district's director of student nutrition, says buying once a week will help them get comfortable buying locally, even with higher prices and labor shortages that limit what she can buy. Well, I'd love to have a lot of watermelon and cantaloupe. However, that requires a lot of chopping. And when you have our biggest school, we're serving about a thousand kids um, or a thousand meals. That's a lot of watermelon to chop if we don't have the labor and staff and manpower to do that. While interest in these programs has increased slowly over the years, barriers like cost and labor are fairly common, says Joe Britt Rankin, a professor with the MU Extension's Farm to School program. She says Farm to School programs want to hear these kinds of questions at a series of listening sessions held through July with the Missouri Department of Agriculture. If they know what issues are out there, they can help fix them. Do they have the equipment? Although this can be easily addressed, are their staff trained? in doing more food preparation and cooking than maybe they have in the last few years. The USDA has announced $60 million in farm-to-school commodity purchasing. Britt Rankin says grants like these can help school districts participate on tight budgets. But the challenges go beyond just school districts. Local farms need extra support, too. Nixon, Casey Food Hub's president, says producers need to know ahead of time what school districts will be ordering. You know, we have to help our farmers understand what they need to grow and what they need to plant. And then that takes time. You know, they need to grow the product and get used to that and um, help build up a local food system. Back at his Parkville farm, Pearl says despite the increase in demand, he's not planning on getting rich off selling to schools this fall. We're helping hopefully a lifelong practice of eating nutritiously, eating you know, for your health, eating and trying things that you've never tried before. So, you know, it's the warm and fuzzy that I get out of it. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Jody Fortino. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Trevor Grandin, Byron Love, and KCUR Studios, and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read more coverage of the train crash in Menden and Jody's story about schools buying local produce, visit kcur.org. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow.
Kansas City Blues queen Julia Lee was known for singing songs too risque for the radio. Come on over to my house, baby. But behind the scenes, she was a lot more than just her hits. She was one of a number of women who were asserting themselves musically and socially when that was not socially acceptable. Soothe me. Listen on KCUR's podcast, A People's History of Kansas City.